all truth on tonight. And Father, I thank you that it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me because I have been crucified with Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. We've been teaching on animosity, and I want to go back over that because I don't know about you. Every time a teaching come in this house, stuff break loose. Everything that we're teaching on began to break loose. First, it was what? Offense, strife. Now it's animosity. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. I don't know about y'all, but I thank God for Jesus. Because without him, we wouldn't be able to get through these things that come up against us. But the thing that I love so much about God is he don't leave us ignorant of Satan devices. He always teach us what to do and how to do it. And he always show us what's around us so we'll know how to deal with it when it come. So if there's anybody in here that, that has said, I don't have no animosity, just repent. Ask the Lord to forgive you now. Because sometimes we don't recognize what we have until situations pop up. We have learned that animosity is a strong feeling of dislike or hatred, ill will, or resentment. A strong feeling of dislike or hatred, ill will, or resentment. And some people say, I don't have no ill will. I don't have no resentment. I don't have no hatred. I don't have no strong dislike. I believe the majority of us that's in here have had some ill will against someone because they didn't do like you wanted them to do or because they said something about you that they should not have said. Um, We begin to harbor those things in our heart. And they begin to pop up um, in different situations at different times. And sometimes we don't allow that ill will to go towards the person that we have ill will against. But we allow that ill will to hit other people because we become frustrated, as this niece would say, frustrated with other people. So we have to be so careful to guard our hearts with all diligence because out of our hearts are the issue, issues of life. So at times we need to ask God, God, show me what I don't yet see. Show me the areas in my life that are hidden that I don't see. Reveal them unto me. Search me and see if there's any animosity, if there's any evil way in me. And the Holy Spirit is there to search us. He's there to shine a light on some areas that are in our lives that we need to get rid of. And how we get rid of them is through the word of God. When we look at, I went to Genesis 3.15 because all of this started in Genesis. We know um, when sin came into the world, we know it came into the world through their disobedience. And it opened a door for hatred. It opened a door for every type sin um, that we can, um, you know, think about or anything that we could do that we should not be doing. And this is what God said to um, the serpent I will make you and the woman enemies to each other this is Genesis 3:15. place hostility enmity between you and the woman your descendant seed and her descendant seed will be enemies one of her descendants descendants will crush your head and you will bite strike bruise crush his heels so God forewarned 
he began to tell them it's going to be some hostility between the righteous and the unrighteous, between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God. So those that love God and want to live a righteous life, the world is going to hate you for that. So don't get upset if, you know, you're born again, you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and at one time you fit in. Even with your family, you fit very well. They laugh with you. They love you. They wanted to do everything with you and for you. And as soon as you accepted Jesus, there was a heart change. You didn't want to do the same things. You didn't want to, you know, go to the same places you used to go. And you tried not to say or talk like you used to talk. So they noticed the difference. And then you begin to feel that ill will. You begin to feel that hostility. You begin to feel even hatred. And you're like, we're brothers, we're sisters. Why do you hate me? What did I do to you? And some people look at it as if you think you know everything. You think you're better than me because you change. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. So you're not going to do what the world does. So anytime that you have a made-up mind, and you do have to have a made-up mind. There is a hard change, but we know that there are some habits and some things that's left behind. But if you made up your mind to serve him, the Holy Spirit, he kicks in, and he show you different things, and we have to take heed to what the Holy Spirit is saying, and then we can live that righteous life that God want us to live. I don't know about you, but sometimes I would be in situations, and the Holy Spirit has said, don't say nothing. Don't say nothing. Sometimes he'll let you know. Just be quiet. You don't have to say anything. But sometimes the person make you so annoyed. They annoy you so much. The thing that the Holy Spirit told you not to say, you begin to say. And then you begin to get your feelings hurt. You begin to feel it all over. So this is why we have to take heed to the Holy Spirit. And we'll learn how to handle animosity, ill will, resentment. We'll learn how to handle all of those things. But animosity comes through the years, too. Because if you hold in stuff in your marriage, if you hold in stuff in a past relationship and you get in married, the stuff that you held in that past relationship is going to come over in that marriage and you're going to have ill will against that husband or that wife because how you were treated in that previous, previous marriage. So that's why we have to renew our minds according to the word of God and we got to get junk out of the trunk. Just because you're born again, your spirit got reborn. It's born again, but your soul has to be renewed on a daily basis so it can connect to the real you to your spirit and until you get into the word of God and the word of God get into you you're not going to see the change that need to be seen and nobody else is going to see it as well so when we look at James chapter 4 um, verse 4 I'm, I'm just recapping on what we went over last week and I believe the Holy Spirit is going to add to what we went over James 4 verse 4 and the amplified it read you are like unfaithful wives having illicit love affairs with the world and breaking your marriage vow to God. Do you not know that being the world's friend is being God's enemy? So whoever chooses to be a friend of the world takes his stand as an enemy of God. So what is God saying? Now, just because we're born again, that does not mean that we can't love the world more than we love God. It shouldn't be that way. Anything that you love in this world, you're going to spend more time with it than you are going to spend with God. It could be cars. It can be clothes. It can be whatever 
um, you choose for it to be. Whatever the world is offering you, if you're taking that over God, you're becoming an enemy of God because you're in the world, but you're not of the world, so you don't do what the world does. So this is what God is saying. You're becoming unfaithful to him because you're putting things, you're putting people before you put him, and that's not how it should be. So he's saying here, you are like unfaithful wives having illicit love affairs with the world and breaking your marriage vow to God. So when you're spending more time trying to get things, things that, you know, you you shouldn't um, be trying to go out and get, guess what? You're putting more effort in that than you are, you know, with God. So those are the things that we have to look at. We have to ask God, and you're probably saying, what does this have to do with having um, animosity? If you go back to James and let me pull up the beginning of James, and we's gonna, we're going to read James chapter 4. I think we did this last week, where the word of God is telling us here, do you not know where your fights, conflicts, wars, and arguments, disputes, quarrels, battles come from? They come from the selfish desires, cravings that war within your members, probably part of the body, but could be members of the church. So we're looking at, all of these conflicts, all of these wars, they're coming through the members. And when we look at the body of Christ, it can be coming through us. But if you got the body, every joint is supplying and people are not on one accord, guess what? You're going to have conflicts. You're going to have wars. You're going to have quarrels because you have one side that's in the word. You have the other side that's not in the word. So the one side that's not in the word is trying to tell the ones that are in the word what the word is saying. And they don't know what it's saying to um to, they don't know what the word is saying, so you have conflict in the church. You have quarrels. And then it goes on to say, verse 2, you want, desire things, but you do not or cannot have them, so you are ready to kill, murder, and are jealous, envious of other people, but you still cannot get what you want. So you argue and fight, wage war. You do not get what you want because you do not ask God. So what he's saying here, James is saying, when we have a desire for what somebody else have and we can't get what they have, do you know we can hold animosity against people because they have something that we do not have? We can begin to talk about those people. We begin to talk them down and say, oh, they think they're better than we are. Oh, they think, you know, just because they went to college and just because we didn't go to college, they think they know more than we know. So you can um, harbor that animosity in your heart and it becomes ill will. It becomes hate so we have these things because we desire to have what somebody else have and then it goes on to say um let me go to three or when you ask you do not receive because the reason you ask is wrong or you ask with the wrong motives you ask wrongly you want things so you can use them for your own pleasures and then it goes on to say, y'all know they say we have not because we ask not. And then we ask, we ask to miss because it's something that we want. So God is not, um, I'll just put it this way. God is not ignorant. He's not stupid and he's not dumb. God know when we come to him, you know, sometimes we'll come to him and say, God, if you do this for me, I'll do that. God done done everything. 
He already has given you everything that you need. It's nothing else that need to be done except you realizing what you have in him. So we go to God and try to play him. Well, God, you know, if I can have more money, I'll pay my tithes. Well, God, you know, if you give me a car like Teresa got a car, God, I can come to church more often than I do. God ain't like that. So we're trying to get things because we see other people with things. Or we'll go to God and say, I deserve this because. God, I pay my tithes, so I deserve this because. Teresa don't deserve it like I deserve it. I'm in church more than Teresa's in church. So you building up ill will against a person because you desire to have what they have. And if we don't know what's behind these things, we will keep doing what we do and we will think it's okay. And then we can go into pride. Then we go into quarrels and we go into all of these things. That's why when you get to James 4, he's saying we become unfaithful because Basically, we're loving the things of the world more than we loving on God. So when you go after things in the world more than you go after God, that means that you become an enemy of God. And some of us don't even recognize we can become an enemy of God, loving things more than we love God. When we look back at another verse of scripture, Titus 3, verse 3, that's the expanded Bible. And that's what I've been reading out of except for the Amplified. Titus 3 verse 3 says, In the past we also were foolish. We did not obey, we were wrong, misled, deceived, and we were slaves to many things. Our bodies wanted and enjoyed various passions and pleasures. We spent our lives doing evil and being jealous, envious. People hated us and we hated each other. This is how we used to be, y'all. This is what Titus saying. He said, this is how we used to be. And this is not how we should be now that we're born again. But you find in many Christians still walking this way. Many Christians are hating one another. And, and some of it come through position. We get envious of a person because this person is teaching and I should be teaching. I've been here longer than that person. Why am I not teaching? You know, we have ill will against me or have ill will against the one that's teaching or the one that's handling an event. We get ill will against them because we feel like they shouldn't be handling that. I should be handling that. That's animosity. That's ill will. We begin to resent that person. We don't want nothing to do with that person. And it gets to the point that we say, I don't even want to work with that person no more. I don't even want to be a part of it no more. Because, see, we want to have our way because we think we know more than the person that's in charge. Here come pride again. We become envious. We become jealous. See, all of this stuff is fitting in. This is what animosity does. It brings hate. It brings resentment. It brings ill will. And you don't want to tolerate people no more. Let's look at 1 John 2, 15 through 16. I believe all of us are familiar with this one. 1 John 2, 15 through 16 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world associated with the world. I mean, he laid that out. Do not love the world or the things in associated with the world. Now, God knows that. Women, when we go shop, we're going to go in the mall. You're going to have to buy clothes. You get your um, jewelry. You get your outfit. You get the things that you need. But if you've fallen in love with certain things and you feel like you got to have it and can't wear nothing else, 
then you having an illicit love affair with clothes. I'm too good for that. No, I can't wear that. No, I got to do it this way because I got to look good for God. When you leave here and you go to heaven, everything going to be left right there. And people going to see everything you had on. And I pray that it's clean. And I pray I ain't left behind to see nothing. Won't see nothing. <laughs> nothing. That'll teach people to come to church and be from the outside and inward. Everything be right. Right. So we want to make sure that we don't love things more than we love our father. And you know when you love things more than you really love God. Because if you spend more time wiping that car, if you spend more time in your house doing certain things to certain things and you don't want people in a certain room or you don't want people to touch this or touch that, now that don't make no sense. I have in my house a table and I have it beautifully decorated to match my scenery. But if somebody want to come and sit down and eat, if my husband want to eat, then move it aside. I don't say, no, you can't sit at that table. Why in the world would I buy a table and nobody can't sit at it? Move it aside. That's what we do. Just move it aside. Whatever, wherever you want to sit, move the pillars aside. Just, we'll just place them back. We don't put importance on things. We don't have, and sometimes we have particular rooms that nobody can go in but guests. Anybody have those rooms? Nobody can go in that front part but guests. Don't you even go sit in there, please, people. It's a just look room. Just look and just come out. You shouldn't have that. Any place, a home is a home where you can feel at home in. That if your husband or your wife or your children want to sit in there, they should know how to sit in there without you saying you can't go in there. You make another God. If you, I don't care what it is, anything that you admire, and we want to keep nice things, y'all. I believe we can raise our kids and our husbands to um, let them know <laughs> this is how we want to keep things, right? Come on, let's just be honest. My husband know me. He know me and I know him. When it comes to a car, I know how he want to keep a car. He want to keep it nice, so he let me know. Don't leave stuff in the car. And uh, he respect me. Don't you leave stuff when you're sitting at that table. Man, you left the ketchup on the counter. There's a refrigerator. So we, don't we have our do's and don'ts? But I'm not going to worship things, and he's not going to worship things to make me feel like those things are more important than me. If that is happening in your home, that things are feeling more important than you, that's that person God. If you're scared to move something in your home because you're scared you're going to get a whooping, that's that person's God. Long as things are put back in order, people should not care. Amen. Everybody's saying amen, but some people say, don't you touch my stuff. So he said, do not love the world. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. What am I saying on that note? People have ill will and animosity when you touch their stuff and they look at it and it ain't like they wanted it to be. They begin to have, Athea, they begin to have ill will with you because you had no business touching my stuff. That's a bunch of monkey business. Ain't that right, Athea? Mm-hmm. It's the truth. That means you loving those things. You shouldn't. And he goes on to say, if you love the world, the love of or for the Father is not in you. 
Ooh, that's deep, isn't it? That's very deep. These are the ways of and associated with the world. Wanting to please our sinful selves, the desire, the lust of the flesh, wanting the sinful things we see, the desire, the lust of the eyes, and being too proud of what we have, the pride of life, possessions. None of these come from the Father, but all of them come from the world. We're looking at the pride of life. We're looking at the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, and that's what the enemy used. And sometimes we can fall in these categories and don't even recognize it. That's why God has given us all of these teachings so we can recognize and we can ask ourselves, Lord, do I fall in these categories? Do I have love for things more than I have for people? God, where is my heart? Show me my heart. I want my heart to be for you. In Proverbs ten twelve, I like this one. I'm reading out the Passion Translation. I picked this one because it breaks it down more. Hatred keeps old quarrels alive. That is so true. When you have hatred in you, it keeps old quarrels alive. That means I always talk about relationships. When a man have hurt you or a woman have hurt you, they have hurt you to the core to the heart, y'all, to the root or to the tool, it just hurts you. What you do is you hold on to that hurt. And it becomes so much hurt and becomes so much disappointment that you have for that person. Every time you look at them, you have hatred. You have ill will. You have resentment for that person. And on the outside, you're smiling. But on the inside, you just hating on them and you talking about them on the inside. But on the outside, you're smiling like, hey. It's good. I love you. But deep down inside, you know that's not true. So it said, hatred keeps old quarrels alive. But love draws a veil over every insult and finds a way to make sin disappear. Love covers a multitude of sin. When you have the love of God, and we do, if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the love of God is shed abroad in your heart through the Holy Ghost. So even though somebody is treating you wrong, when the love of God is shed abroad, you're not going to treat them the way that they're treating you. You're not going to have that same ill will. You're not going to have that animosity, strife, or, or offense. You're going to go to that person because the love of God that's in you draws you to that person and said, if I have done anything to offend you, forgive me, I am so sorry. Even though deep down inside you know you haven't done anything. But the love of God will bring you low. So you will be able to reach that person even in the midst of your hurt. Even in the midst of you knowing you have done nothing wrong. But you standing in front of that person and say, I'm so sorry if I hurt you. I'm so sorry if I said something to offend you. And leave it at that. And the Holy Spirit, he'll work with that individual. And most of the people, y'all, we have to work with most is church folks. Have y'all noticed that? It's church folks. You have to always attend to church folks. The ones that's born again. The ones that's speaking in tongues. The ones that's saying that they love the Lord. You have to spend more time apologizing to church folks than you have to apologize to sinners. Don't make no sense, as my granddaughter say. Not one bit. We have to always, well, I'm sorry. And you have to always tiptoe around people that are so offended. Now, it comes a time that you do do some tipping. But after.
after 20 years, you should be able to walk in front of them without tipping around nothing because they should already be renewed their mind. I'm not going to tell people to quit tipping. I mean, what I'm saying is after a while, you do need to quit tipping. Because if they ain't got it together, y'all, after a year, they need some counsel. Serious business. If you feel like you can't talk to a brother or sister in Christ after you don't apologize, but you still feel in a wall, they need some counsel because they still holding some ill will. They're holding some hatred and they need to be sought down, as Deacon Newton would say. They need to be sought down until they can really search themselves and say, God, what have I, what do I need to do to get over this? God, I need some help. Nobody don't need to be in a position holding ill will against people because guess what? The love of God is not coming through them. The enemy, no, I'm using you all over the church to stir up calls. Remember, hatred, what did we say? Hatred keeps old calls alive. And the enemy don't want you to see yourself because he wants you to keep keeping that stuff alive that should already be dead. When something is dead, you don't bring it back to life. Let's look at John 15, 15. We're familiar with this one too. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first before you. So who's forewarning us? Jesus. The world hated him because he brought forth truth. He brought forth the word of God. So the, the world hated him. And then John 17, 14 in his prayer to the father, he said, I have given them your teaching, the word. And the world has hated them because they don't belong to the world, just as I don't belong to the world. So Jesus is forewarning us, we're going to be hated because the world is going to hate us. The more we bring forth the word, the more we tell them about Jesus, the world is going to hate you. So why are we trying to make the world feel good? Once you give them the word of God, it's, it's time out for us Christians to try to make people like us in the world because we're telling the truth. They're going to hate you because guess what? Knowing the truth is what make you free and the enemy know you the bringers of truth and he don't want people to know the truth so they can be free. So he want the world to hate you. So you will shut yourself off and don't want to deal with those people and say, just go to hell and die. They already dead. We shouldn't be doing that. We should say, God help me. Before I even go out today, God, show me, Holy Spirit, help me, lead me, guide me into all truth, sanctify me in truth. Your word is true. God, whom can I be a help to today? And teaching on this animosity, we have to say, help me, Holy Spirit, not to have ill will against somebody today. Help me not to be frustrated today. Because when you get frustrated, you don't care. You just don't care. You get frustrated. You get tired and say, let them do whatever they want to do. I do not care no more. And then you begin to build up the ill will, the resentment. And we don't need to be doing this as Christians. We need to be showing the love of God. And that the love of God should be growing, not dying out. People should know who we are by his love flowing through us. He reminded me in Esther, in the book of Esther, Y'all remember old Mordecai. Mordecai, he wouldn't bow down to Haman. And Haman was very upset because Mordecai wouldn't bow down to him. And by him not bowing down, he became very angry. 
He became very angry. He had ill will against Mordecai. He resented him. And guess what he did? He didn't only take it out on Mordecai. He took it out on all the Jews and say, let's kill them all. Do y'all know how bad anger could get? Anger got so bad in this one man, he got a king to sign a decree to kill all the Jews because Mordecai wouldn't bow down. And that's how animosity do it. It does. It grows. It get heated up and it don't care no more. It don't care who it hurt because you've been hurt. And, and he was let down because that was pride in him. And he said, you supposed to bow before me. You making me look bad. So I'm going to fix you. That's what animosity does. Animosity say, I'm going to fix you. I'm going to get you back. Just like you got me. Animosity can be si- a silent killer. It can wait to attack at the right time. So we have to really open up our hearts and ask God, am I holding ill will? Am I holding any animosity or resentment? Do I have a strong feeling of dislike in me for someone? Father, show me. And God is bringing these teachings in this house for a reason. And we need to check ourselves first and say, deal with me first and foremost. Because if God deal with you, you'll be able to deal with others. And you'll be able to recognize the animosity and the ill will and all of that. And you can begin to pray for them and say, Lord, they know not what they're doing. Forgive them. And you won't take it to heart. Amen. I pray with this part that I have went over with animosity. So far it's been offense, strife, animosity, pride. That's a big one. We could have stayed on pride. So we're going to keep it moving as the Holy Spirit. Um, give it to me. I'm going to give it to y'all. Because part of this ministry is to root up and tear down the strongholds off of God's people. And sometimes we don't know that we have strongholds and strongholds is coming from beliefs that we have held in. That was wrong. We believe in something opposite from the truth. So we have a stronghold. We have a fortress. We have a wall that need to be broken down. So the word of God can come through. So you can live that life that God has called you to live. Amen. Do anybody have anything on animosity that I have been teaching that you have noticed or have happened in your life that you would like to share on tonight. We all helpers of one another. Amen. Terry, you got your hand up. Come on, come on and get the mic, Terry. Uh, last week, uh, I want to make a correction of what I said last week, something I said last week. I said that uh, Nebuchadnezzar had a party, and I was mistaken. It wasn't Nebuchadnezzar had the party. It was his son who had the party. Right. And Nebuchadnezzar had the dream, but mm-hmm. everything else I said about Nebuchadnezzar is true. Right. But when it comes to his son, uh, he had a dream, too. And uh, the handwriting on the wall, that he had so much pride to, because um, he used uh, vessels what come from mm-hmm. Jerusalem, the cups and stuff. And they, when they had the party, they drunk wine and stuff out of, mm-hmm. out of the cups. And uh, he was bragging about what, what he had done. Mm-hmm. And, the, and he, it, when he had the uh, vision on the wall, the handwriting on the wall, it scared him so bad, he talked about how bad his knees were shaking. Mm-hmm. Oh, it scared, scared him to death, really. 
So he got called a musician of soothsayers to interpret it, but they couldn't interpret it. So they called Daniel, and the queen told told uh, his son that Daniel was a man with, with had uh, was full of the spirit from God, could interpret the dream. So Daniel told Daniel come back and told told interpret the dream that it was. Three words, I can't pronounce them words, but three words, he was weighed and judged, and the, um, the kingdom was taken from him. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, also that uh, uh, the son, that night, he died. Mm-hmm. But I was going to say that, uh, as, as Mr. <laughs> Mr. Elijah said, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that, that was pride. His pride was his downfall. Amen. And uh, that's why I say. Amen. Can y'all tell how excited Brother Terry was to bring that? I love that. He was so excited, so I can tell that he was in it, in the Word of God, because it do bring you that excitement to bring it on, right? Well, good. Amen. We're helpers of one another. Amen. And do you see how... I understood what Terry was saying about the man had a party. Because, see, people bring things differently, but guess what he did? He bought correction, and he humbled himself in bringing it. Some people be like, I ain't correcting nothing. I know what I meant, but you know what you said, too. So we give God glory. Is there anybody else that, come on, Jennifer. <laughs> Animosity. When you started giving the description of that last week, and you know, we do. We look at our, well, we should. I look at myself first because I'm like, I ain't got time. I ain't got time to mess with y'all by the time I get done with me. But there's two things I absolutely, I hate to stop and get gas, and I hate to go to the grocery store. And so on Saturdays, if I have to run into Burgall, my mom would be like, well, can you go to the pig and pick me up? And it'll start with one item, and then she starts a list, and I just feel myself cringing up. And I says, God, that's animosity. And I said, I, I got to get that out of me because I don't want to feel that way. I don't like that feeling. But, buddy, it's like, as you said, make my nerves gather up one spot when she starts that list. So I just had to. Amen. Amen. And sometimes all of men, we talked about y'all last week when these wives want to say, can you make one stop for me and end up being two or three and they cringing in the car like, I hope she don't call back. So we can build up the ill will and don't say nothing until one day you, hey, honey, can you stop by the pig? Is there anything else you want? Is there another stop you want me to make? Is that the only stop? He didn't do that, though. But you know what I'm saying. Now it's coming through the phone now because they held it deep within. Right, Calvin? We hold stuff deep, deep. Got it deep. Down in my heart. Supposed to be the love of God. I think you got something you want to share. Come on. Come on down, Lofton. This is your exodus. My exodus. Because I was asking God, I said, God, help me, you know, show me me to get over animosity. Because I did have animosity. 
because, you know, sometimes people can say things to you in, in, in the past, and then they say something to you again, and it's like what they did, in, what they said in the past, back way back when, comes up, and it's right, it's fresh, it's new, you smell it, you taste it, and there's animosity. And I said, Lord, you know, and then you make an excuse. Now, they know what they're doing. And they know what they're saying. And they know it makes me feel a certain way when they do it and when they say it. And I'm flipping the switch and putting the blame on the person or the people instead of saying, God, deal with me. Because maybe God is using that situation or the people to pull something out of me to show me me that the animosity was there. You know, and, and, and the pride was there. So it's like he told me a long time ago, Quit tripping over that before you fall. Because I did, and he did show me that I did have animosity. You know, and then when somebody, you mad with somebody else, and then like you were saying, you know, my mama say, well, you, know, you going to Burger, I'll stop by and get me a money order. You were just in Wallace. <laughs> but that's my mom. So Jennifer, that's our mom. You know, just do what they say do, and do it. You know, because look what... <laughs> And look what they, but think about what they did for us. And here, and here, I, and here I am. Every, and number th- but every time we go to the, to our parents and ask them for things or to do things, they do it. They don't grumble or complain. But we, they ask us. Or to at do least the, you don't know, huh? And, well, maybe not. I hope they don't. You know. And but the least little thing, we murmur and complain because we don't want to do it, and we have the time to do it. So why don't we want to do it? Because we frustrated. Frustrated. But then we take it out on somebody else. That's right. Just like tonight. I apologize to Gloria and Joe openly. Because I was frustrated because my job kept me there too long. And somebody had the nerve to call me while I was at work. I said, is it important? No, I just want to talk to you. I got to go, Joe Clark. I said, I'm like, now what do you want? So then I come in late. Brother Jay got my little parking spot. I'm going, I might as well be honest about it, right? I, <laughs> I came up, I said, now why he parked there? He know I'm, I always park there. I'm sorry, you didn't even. <laughs> so then when I walk in, Mr. Willie spoke, and I walked in. I didn't even speak to Joe and Gloria. I apologize for that. And I asked Joe something. And then Where's he, the oil? I know, right? <laughs> You need some oil. <laughs> but confession is good for the soul. Right? You Amen. asked me to come Amen. over here, right? And, then, then, and then, then I asked Joe a question, and he was kidding with me. And I looked at him, and I said something. <laughs> I didn't say anything ugly. Did I, Joe? I didn't say anything ugly. But I openly apologize to you and Gloria because I came in wrong, because I was frustrated, because I had to work late, and I was trying to get here, and I don't like to be late. Look at God. See, some of us try to be picture perfect, but when we say we sorry, guess what? We close that door. That's what we supposed to do. When you do rightly, you good. But when you go on about your business and wait for another opportune time, something's wrong. Um when I, well, back when I get guys to help me cut grass to weed for me, you know. I used to get upset because they didn't do it the way I want it done. So my wife would tell me, so honey, I said, people are not going to do this. Y'all thought like you do it. You know, just thank God for they all helping you. 
I said, well, you know how to weed eat, at least you know, but I used to get upset, but now when I do get help, I have to thank God for what they do do, you know. I could have got animosity two weeks ago, but I didn't. I had this guy to help me two weeks ago do some yards. Is it get off our chest tonight or what? <laughs> he, he did. He was doing, he kept bragging on how fast it was. And I was, you know, you do a good job. You need me to slow down? Or you want to speed up? So, you doing good. Yeah, bragging. So we, we did some yards. We got to my house. I, had, I do my yard, my neighbor's yard. So we did my neighbor's yard first. It was getting late. He did pretty good. So he went to do my yard while I was in the neighbor's yard. When I got in my yard, he tore it, slap up weed. <laughs> it's been two weeks my grass didn't grow back yet. <laughs> I mean, he lit a weed down to dirty, no grass there. And when I was cut, I was hauling trying to stop him. My wife, she heard me hollering at him out the window, through the window. I said, hey, stop. He weeding around my driveway. You don't have to weedy that. I just, I just left it alone. And my grass didn't grow back yet around my house. So I had a guy hit me weeds last week. I said, man, you got weed in my yard. It's okay. He said, man, who tore your yard up? He said, who? I wouldn't even tell him who done it, you know. But I didn't get upset. So I just know that like, how I'm back. So. Come on, Jay. I guess it's get off of our chest week, right? But everybody's understanding animosity, right? Tyson, you next. Well, um, you know, I came in and I was listening to the teaching. I know you said that uh, how you can become enemies of God, and I know I hadn't been in the past uh, previous teachings lately, but uh, I know that being like a love of the world, I mean, it can be a lot of things, like you said, pride. And um, when you think about pride, you know, sometimes, you know, when you're like, um, like in like different situations, you might have like maybe one going on or multiple, and then, you know, you start getting like really frustrated and start feeling the anger. And then you start getting to the point that, hey, you know, I'm always right. You know, like in this situation, I'm 100% justified. This one, it's like, you know, the other person's like all the guilt's them. And, you know, like I'm totally innocent all the time. You know what I mean? And <laughs> we, we know it's not like that. So, I mean, you know, like um, like when I go through like personal issues like family or this or that, you know, a lot of times I always kind of see myself as always being the guy totally in the right. And I don't care who you are, me or any, whoever it is. Everyone's got some wrong in, in some right. situation, even if it's not that particular situation, or if it's that situation, it could be, like I said, several. You know, there, there's something going on there for you to uh, keep feeling like you don't have to apologize. That's right. And one of the things, I mean, you know, I'm sure Siobhan could tell you everything. You know, when like a person like really gets me upset. Now I'm not saying I do this to her, but she sees how I am. Um, like when someone like really gets to me like that, I kind of like shut them out and I just don't talk to them. You know, and um. Then, so you think about it so prideful when you talk about that, but then also like materialistic, you want to be, you know, the best looking dude, or you want to smell the best, you always want to be groomed, you want to have the nicest clothes, nicest shoes, and you become lovers of like materialistic things. You get so materialistic that you just say, hey, you know, every time I go out the door, I got to look hot, you know what I mean? Or I got to, you know, look like this. And I know sometimes I can get like that. In a way, I'm kind of self-conscious because of this, you know what I mean? But, um, you know, sometimes you just always want to look fashionable, you always want to smell good, you always think you're right, you know, you then, you know, when someone says or does something and you already got animosity, you know, and you already think, you know, you got it going on with this and that, and then they say something, and then, you know, you kind of got, like, mixed emotions, you know, and then you're ready to snap and burst, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? So pride can be always thinking you're right or always, 
kind of walking with your, with your chin up a little too much, and then when someone pops it and get knocked down a little bit, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm saying yeah, yeah. it hasn't happened to me, you know, not, not over the years, but I ain't going to say, you know, you know. But then you're always thinking about, like, you know, the attitude. I'm always right, or, hey, I always got to look good, or, hey, I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to do things my way. I don't want to listen. I want to be hard-headed. I don't want to come to church. I don't want to be on the word. And then when you start staying out of church so long, your whole attitude changes. And then it's like, you know, it's every time you look at someone, even if they're like, you know, true God-fearing Christians, you feel animosity because it's like, you know, you always feel like your way is the right way and you don't want to hear no correction because it's the total opposite of what you want to do and the way you want to think. So that's, you know. You wrapped it up. Come on, Tyson. And and I can say this. God wants us to look good and Lord knows he wants us to smell good. Amen. (laughs) But he don't want those things to overtake us, have us. That's what Jay was saying. Sometimes we can be so fashionable that we're no heavenly good. All right. My, my situation was years ago, uh, my wife and I, we have four kids. And, you know, you got family members that it just seems like sometimes you look up, seem like they got everything going the right way and you didn't. And... <clears throat> It got to one point in my life to where, you know, we, we always have this, this self-righteous. We always have a little self-righteous um, saying that we just want to have a good family, do everything right, make sure everything go in order. Well, <clears throat> nobody knows when old trouble comes along. Um, my point is, um, my wife and I, when we, when we was coming up with our family, <clears throat> sometimes sometimes you just didn't have uh, the way you were like. And some of your family members, they're, they're not where we are in Christ. Um, and this has been years ago, and it seems like they had everything. And uh, we can have a, a, a functioning somewhere. And my wife and I used to be the ones that, after the end of the function, and, and I know I know I love God because I can see I can come say this now at the end of the function, my wife and I, you know, or, or I can be by myself sometimes with with the kids and we'll be the ones that they'll say, give it to them, give it to them, give it to them. They got them children. They got to feed them children. <laughs> and, and sometimes and sometimes at that point, some of them will do it over and over again. But the Holy Spirit lets you know that they're not true with it and wholeheartedly with them. They'll talk about you to somebody else or another family member. So all of a sudden, I started giving it to God because it started building up. Even when you come to these functionings or something with your own family member and um, family members. And I wanted to get back at them. I wanted to show them that I can do it too, you know. But God had me to to sit there, and he says, humble yourself. Humble yourself. You need it. Now, humble yourself and go amongst them, and you take it, and you be grateful. No matter what they think, no matter what they say. Mm-hmm. And I did it for years. Well, lo and behold, as I got to know Christ, God showed me that it wasn't about money. It wasn't about uh, 
making them happy. It wasn't about nobody but him. He showed me that. He told me, said, Tyson, if you will humble yourself and serve me, I'll show you great and mighty things. Mm-hmm. Church family, I waited for, for years. Our kids, they grew up. This past weekend, I want to share this with y'all. All of the family members that usually don't go nowhere because they be sitting on their posts, managing their own things. We had my son's graduation. God allowed them to, the ones that always talked about you, the ones that always uh that say that was higher than you. It wasn't nobody else went but them. He allowed them to be the one to go this past weekend. And family, church family, I want to tell you something. He said, wait upon the Lord and he shall renew your strength. And God humbled me right on this weekend. This weekend, I sat there and he reminded me he said, you ain't got to say nothing. You ain't got to move. And he showed me because you trusted me. Um, I think it's Second Samuel, Mazilba Ridge. Somebody can help me out with that name. I know what you're saying. That's a tough one there. That's a tough one, Pastor. It sure is. Well. I'm a, I'm a, help us. Y'all know that name. I know what he's talking about, though. Go ahead. But anyway, he, he, I'm going to go over that right quick. He was dropped. Yeah. At five years old. Am I seeing that you, right? You got it right. Mm-hmm. He, he, God, he had, uh, he's, he had promises on his life, and he was dropped at five years old. And, and it caused him to be disabled. Mm-hmm. And because of that, because of that, he got left behind. Guys, I've never seen one time my earthly dad. i never seen him one time. God showed me at 13, said, I'm going to be your dad. But he said, when he showed me that he was, that for me to serve him, he said, I'm going to take you from the bottom up. Just like Saul, before he become Paul, said, you're going to go through the road of Damascus. He said, but when I rise you up, he said, I'm going to show you you to the unbelievers and they're they're not going to believe it but he said they're going to know it's me not you but they're going to know it's me people that know me they know me isn't that right brother Calvin and and so this weekend church family see you got to be real God it's not about me I, I thought I heard sister say that when we opened church well this weekend he took this, the exact ones, and I looked at it. I can't believe they are coming. They usually don't come around when it comes to us. He put the exact ones. It was, it was many of them, just like he did Mazibur Ridge. He said he was going to put you at the table, mm-hmm. and he was going to 
He was going to set the table before you and he was going to have them to serve you. Church family, I am telling you now. Didn't have to say a word. When they got there, for the first time in my life, I can honestly say, I had some of them calling my wife. We've been together 33 years. And she know I'm not lying. I had them calling my wife. Where are you at? Come on, come to my place. For the first time in our life. So I want to tell you, it's not our time. When, when God got a promise for you, it is so. Only thing you had to do is trust him. I heard Brother Manny, but the word is saying, vengeance is mine. He was talking about it, but we can't do it on our own. But it wasn't getting back. But this weekend, church family, I sat there and never said nothing. It wasn't supposed to be my wife and I. It wasn't supposed to be our family. It was supposed to be somebody else. But God said, but God. He allowed, he allowed us to sit back. My wife didn't say nothing. I didn't. They were so astonished about what they seen and what God has done until they wanted to see us at the end of it from another state to North Carolina. Come by our house. We come out of another state all the way down here and they wanted us there. They had to see and be around us and, and I seen them. I can't believe what I seen. This was so amazing. And for the first time in my life, God said, I told you. You wait on, you ain't, they ain't seen nothing yet. But he showed, he showed it to me. And church family, I'm going to tell you something. You serve God and you trust God. All the no's you go through all your life. Sometimes you have to go and on the behalf of your family members to somebody and borrow, you might have to borrow money for them, for your child. I did it. And knowing somebody going to talk about you. I did it for years. Can I tell y'all something? This weekend, God showed me. He showed them. They was astonished. So I'm going to say to, to every heart in here, um, it's not our time, it's God's time. But this weekend, I'm going to tell you something. He set the table before us and made the same ones that looked down on us serve us. Amen. And I, don't tell me what God won't do. I'm not bragging. I'm telling you what God would do. And you know what? And today, I'm here today. I thank God for the teachings. I thank God for the shakings and the beating because it makes me want to come in to, to, to the more to, to serve animosity. I see myself with animosity, even towards my family members because um, they, they will beat you down so bad. And so I, I know I'm a little long-winded, but it, it, you got to love God to be standing here to say what I'm saying. And I'm not the only one going through this and, and because God has given it to me to speak. But I want to tell y'all, wait upon the Lord. One day at a time, do what you're supposed to do. Humble yourself. Whatever it takes to get through that certain moment, you go to people, go exactly where God tells you to go to, 
Don't leave your feelings out of it. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you do it right by God, his word is, is, is true. And he will not let you down. So I give God the glory. I thank God for it. Amen. And I want to say um, with um, Tyson and all the rest of us in here, all of us have went through something. But when we take that word and we get that word in us, we can continue to do and be whom God wants us to be. And I want to say this again. Congratulations to all of our graduates. Because in this house, we got doctors. We got nurses. We got social workers. We got even a brain surgeon. Newer sur- what is it? Newer, help me, Sonia. Neurologists. Come on, we got it in this house. God bought it through this house, y'all. He bought all of this through this house. So we give God glory for what he's doing. That's why we have to come together. We can't have animosity with one another. We have to work together. And the only way we can do that is with the love of God. And on that note, keep um, Kathy Best Newton, Gloria, Jennifer Moore, Siobhan, them in your prayers. The funeral is Saturday at 11 o'clock at Rose Hill Funeral Home. And the viewing is 10 o'clock before the funeral. It is Kathy... uh, grandmother did i get it right okay so is there any more announcements at this time praise jesus quana is your daughter graduating okay i get them all mixed up with so many of them y'all have to remind me i don't want to miss anybody but we give god glory can we come stand up for our dismissal but before we do we have this young lady sitting here and I'm going to see if she have anything she wants to say while she's here. Amen. It's a joy to have uh, somebody to come in on our studies. Amen. And I have my husband to bring her the mic. First, I would like to say, let's give God the glory. Amen. that has been said. I didn't know what to expect when I did. Yes, I did, because what brought me here the other night, I'm talking about maybe 4 or 5 o'clock, I just just woke up, and I turned the TV on, and this church, you you were already over with the service, but you had people marching and talking about um, how God... Red Sea? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I like what I saw. So that's what brought me here. Amen. I would also like to say that a lot of the things that people were talking about, I have go- I'm not gone through it, still going through it. <laughs> but, you know, it's only God who brings you through. Amen. He has brought me through. Um, I don't want to... <laughs> get into a long story, but I would just like all of you who know the word of prayer to pray that God will, those strange things that's happening to me, which I have no control over, but, you know, God will clear it up. Amen. I want to say thank you, and you all have a nice night. Amen. Amen. Amen.
And let's just scratch our hands out towards her on tonight. Father God, right now in the name of Jesus, you know her need, God, even before it was needed. So we thank you, God, that no weapon formed against her shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against her in judgment, thou shalt condemn. God, we break the power of darkness over her life in Jesus' name. And we thank you that your glorious light shall shine through in Jesus' name. God, we thank you for your healing power, your healing virtue from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. We say be healed, be made whole in every area of her life, God. God, I speak to every tissue, every organ, every cell, every gland, every vital sign, every muscle, tendon, bone, joint, marrow in her body. I command you to be whole. I command every crooked place to be made straight in Jesus' name. Now, God, we thank you, God, that she's already the healed, not going to be healed, but she's healed physically, spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially, right now in Jesus' name. And we just thank you for it. We praise you for it, and we give you glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.